listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megawind Keelguard Studios. Hey, 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 Bass Edge Nation, here we go. September 15, episode number 384, excited about another show here, Aaron. We've got another great lineup for the listeners today. We do have a great lineup, thanks to you, Kurt, and also thanks to our friends at MegaWare Keel Guard, first do-it-yourself keel protector, battery guard, right, for the, all of these batteries that we're having to put for this forward-facing sonar, flex step, the list goes on and on. Be sure to check out all things MegaWare, all things that are needed on your personal watercraft or your boat can be found at MegaWare keelguard.com Kurt, last tournament of the year the last BASS Elite tournament of the year seemed to be uh, a little drama going on around the uh, weigh-in tanks Man, it was it was a tight event. Shout out to Brian Schmidt on the W. One by four ounces over Chris Johnson. Really just kind of pulled it out on a great first day and last day and hung tough in the middle of that tournament. Aaron, interesting enough, I'm, I'm sure you, you were able to watch some of it as well. But, uh, you know, plastics played a big role typically. You know, and, and, and frogs played a role in, in the tournament as well, some swim jig and, and things like that. But uh, and plastics really took it over, depressions in the uh, sand flats, fish kind of holding up, looking for just a little bit more water. You know, they had, they had some low water to start the event, and um, I think that really congregated these fish. You saw some anglers struggle that didn't find these small groups of fish, but man, when, when some anglers found these smaller groups, they were able to capitalize consistently upon it. Yeah. you kind of one of those times where, uh, you know, the, you're, it seemed like you were either on them or you weren't, you know, so to speak, as far as getting inside that cut. And, and of course, Schmidt coming through and doing it again. And, and what an angler, of course, he's been on here several times, Kurt. Yeah, it was great scene. And we'll have him on again. We, we'll, we'll probably dive into this. We'll get him on this fall, talk about some more fall river bass and, uh, Aaron, Two-time now, Brandon Polinick, Angler of the Year of the yeah. BASS Elite Series. How about that, man? Brandon Lester, you know, our our uh, interview with Brandon uh, last month was a good one. Brandon really laid it out there. And almost, Aaron, I mean, he made it really, really close. Had a great event over there at Oahe and on the Mississippi River to really put the pressure on to Brandon. Didn't lock it up, dude, until that third day of the event there at the Mississippi River. Well, and it's from a spectator standpoint, you know, and being a fan, I I think that makes it very interesting when it comes down to the last tournament, the last day even, um, and and it's still kind of anybody's game, adds a lot of uh, excitement, I guess, to to the final weigh-in. Yeah, it does. You know, we we talked about Brandon Lester, you know, making every cut uh, this year, and and of course he made both cuts and the top 10 there at the Mississippi River. Dude, had the biggest bag of the event the final day, 18 and change. So, uh, dude, Brandon Lester's just on fire. If you haven't gone back to listen to what he has to say, you need to go back and listen. I think it's episode 381, Aaron. I think that's the – or 382. 381 or 382, but but uh, listeners, jump back into uh, a couple episodes there in the archives. Make sure you take a listen to Brandon Lester. He, he's a, a hot angler. He's got a lot to say. And uh, once again, congratulations to Brandon Pollock. Dude, can you imagine the pressure? guy like that's going through to to try to cinch the deal you're kind of on the edge but but you get it done right yeah i I mean just at that level to begin with but then knowing kind of on both sides of 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 Lester, you know, chasing and then also Palinick being chased. I don't know about you, Kurt, but uh, of course I haven't been chased many times in, in, in the sport of fishing, <laughs> but uh, I would much rather be the one doing the chasing than being chased. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's a little bit more pressure being at the top of the standings than trying to uh, track somebody down. So, and, and I think that came into effect in that event too. You know, Schmidt was just a little bit behind. I think he was in third place going into that final day and Chris Johnson was trying to close that deal, but, uh, I mean, you just just a little bit more free. I think you know, you just your mind is in, the, in a little bit better. It's, e- it's easier to have your mind in a better place when you're chasing instead of being chased. So, that's right. That's right. Anyway, talking about chasing and chasing fall fishing, Aaron. As we know, it is here. Uh, it's been cool the last couple of weeks, and and we would be remiss if we didn't mention. Uh, BassAnglerMag.com. Go to that website. Check it out. Mark Lassane's Bass Angler Magazine. Aaron, they're chock full with some amazing articles. 
in this issue. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 literally cover to cover, um, and it, and it's it's good stuff, Kurt. <laughs> I know it's based about out on the West, but when you start looking at at the titles on some of these articles that's coming out in the next issue and that have already been out, um, it's it's kind of one of those deals to where you sit down and then you, it's almost like I can't put it down. Yeah, no question. You got Keith Combs. He's on the cover. Of course, he had a great event in Mississippi, almost won there as well. But he's going to talk about keys to fall cranking. You got jigs and trailers with Todd Faircloth, uh, some of the biggest myths in bass fishing. Even talk about sponsorship, you know, Toro's non-endemic decision to come and be a part of the Bass Pro Tour. I mean, they're just like like you say, chalk full from cover to the back. It's It's just a great magazine. If you have not checked it out, Go take a peek for this fall issue, Bass Angler Magazine and BassAnglerMag.com. So uh, be sure to uh, take a listen. Talking about Aaron taking – I say take a listen. Take a read. Take a read on that one. <laughs> but talking about uh, taking a listen, we've got a uh, special guest coming up in our next segment, Aaron. We do. Uh, very, very exciting. Certainly no stranger to the podium and no stranger to Bass Edge Radio, Kurt. Yeah, that's right. So we've got a, a great feature angler spotlight coming. But first, we're going to jump into some Shimano business. We've got a, a friend of mine, Drew Sadler, who's going to jump on the phone, talk with us real quick about some Shimano products that y'all need to be aware of. Stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio will be right back. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Well, Aaron, we have ourselves an expert in Shimano fishing products with this in this special segment. Shimano known in most angling circles as high quality fishing gear some of the most reliable maybe innovative products that have come through this manufacturer primarily in the real segment of the industry today we get to chat with shimano rep drew sadler about reels but also some exciting new lures in the shimano lineup as well drew thanks for being on the show you are a, a uh, bass fishing stalwart, but most importantly for us today, you are a Shimano expert, man. I appreciate you being on Bass Edge Radio. Kurt, uh, Aaron, I appreciate the time, man. I'm not sure expert is the right word. I, I've certainly been called a lot worse, <laughs> but do appreciate the time and, and, and happy to be on. Well, in this crowd, you're a PhD, so um, you know <laughs> you're, you're you're in you're in good company. But you know, hey, Kurt mentioned and Drew, ironically. You know, many years ago of of my fishing, my my first bait casting reels were the old Shimano Curados, just because of the size and and man, that was a staple, you know, on my boat and um, day to day. But a lot has changed since then. You know, Shimano is known as a high quality bass fishing brand, and like Kurt mentioned, now into lures. But what is your opinion, and what are the basic fundamentals really that more or less, I guess, sets Shimano apart in the bass fishing rod and reel industry? Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned the old green Corrados. You know, obviously a big part of my job is to sell product. And there's so many of those old green Corrados that are still working, still in rod lockers, <laughs> still on boat decks. It oftentimes knocks me out of a sale. And you know what? I, I've never been more proud to be knocked out of a sale because our products are still working that are, you know, 20 plus years old. But, you know, what makes Shimano unique is that they're truly a manufacturer. They manufacture all of their own products. And because we manufacture all Rome products in our facilities, we have a lot more control over the design process and, you know, R&D. And whenever you talk about that term longevity or durability, and even as it pertains to those old green Corrados, and and I'm going to bring up bait casters in this category because that is the the quintessential item in bass fishing, a bait caster, right? Sure, Sure. And so still to this day, when you talk about fundamentals or a foundation, the key to longevity in a reel is the right foundation. And even our reels now, starting at the $99 SLX, it starts with the same foundation, 
of a metal frame, brass gears. And, and that's really just what translates into longevity. You know, metal frame, keeping everything inside in tight alignment and tolerances, and then brass gears. Obviously, we can use different metals, such as aluminum or whatever. Brass is obviously a much denser metal, leads to longer longevity. And, and, and that's the foundation that starts with durability and longevity. Well, both critical elements, obviously, when somebody making an investment in, in a reel, and uh, that's why I've personally invested in so many Shimano reels over the years, is is because of that. I think that word tolerance, you mentioned low tolerance that, that they have as far as, you know, gears moving around or, or things wiggling through there, because that's what happens to a lot of those other manufacturers that, that I've used in the past that, that Shimano does seem to be just so much more superior superior to but drew talking about some new products right let's break down the stella fk spinner reel you know one of the highly rated new products of the brand what gives the stella fk its class i see it has you know an infinity loop which helps it oscillate slowly if anybody spun one of these reels they see what that oscillation does as it slows down but continues to spin it's really absolutely amazing but also uh the drag system help explain the benefits and what makes this shimano reel so special man the, the stella is obviously our flagship spinning reel and, and and honestly kurt there are so many tiny details with the stella we could spend an hour talking about it. i mean we really could right, right but you know some of the main features when you mentioned mentioned the infinity loop what that means is as you turn the real handle the spool spinning up and down it takes it much longer to go up and much longer to go down so the result of that is a much longer and flatter line lay as you're going up and down the spool. So when you cast, the result of that is when that line is coming off the spool, going up and down, up and down, it changes directions far less times, which results in much longer casting distance. Um, you know, they've added some other features such as evening the load on the gear. So that w whenever you're cranking that reel handle, you are putting pressure on the gears, but the way we've designed the gears evenly distributes that pressure over the gear surface. So again, it makes it a lot more durable. And then when you get to Stella, Stella is meant to be an experience, right? So you can make real right, right. functionality, but when you get to the level of Stella, it's made to give you an experience. And so again, when you talk tolerances, that reel has the tightest tolerances of all, you know any reel that we make, which just results in incredible smoothness. You know, you don't hear the reel when you're really, really fast. It just, it, again, it's designed more for the experience. There's so much talk about drag systems, specifically with spinning reels. What is it about the Shimano drag system? And you hear some great drag system from other manufacturers as well, but what is it about the Shimano drag system that makes it special and, and peel off so quickly? And then and then let, let's back that up with a bait casting question as well, as far as how the drag system works, you know, in that respect in comparison to the spinning reel. You know, when when you get to spinning reels, drag is uh, you know obviously very important because you're you, you know it's not like a bait caster. Most of the time when you're using a spinning reel, you are utilizing the drag to fight a fish, right? Most guys you're using bait caster, you crank it down as high as you can go. But with a spinning reel, you're often using lighter line, so the drag is very important. So drag is also important because you want it to be consistent. You don't want it to be you know you've got it set at one spot and you're pulling you know you're pulling the drag and it's loose, loose, it gets tight, it gets loose again. So it needs to be consistent all the time. So with materials we use, as far as the drag feel, it's designed to give that consistency and also to maintain that consistency over time. Obviously, when you're using different materials in drag, that consistency can change because basically when you tighten the drag on the spinning reel from above, you're compressing those washers inside. So the materials you use are, are very critical as far as how that leads to the longevity of that drag system. And it's maintaining the same resistance over time. So it really comes down to the materials that are used and obviously, again, the longevity of that maintaining over a long period of time. That's great advice, you know, Drew. And I guess kind of taking it to the other end of the spectrum, right? You know, here we are, gas is, is high price, right? Uh, or, or you've got a new angler, we're on a limited budget. And, and electronics, you know, to add electronics and forward-facing sonar and power poles and all of these things, we're, we're working from a, I guess, a finite money supplier. At least I am. Kurt's not. He's He, he does pretty well. But <laughs> I'm wondering, uh, you, know, you know, when you look at the – 
the Stella FK price tag. If you're making a selection, what is a great spinning reel and bait caster kind of in that, you know, buyers at that medium price point so that they have more dollars to actually spend on the experience of maybe putting gas in their boat or or seeing that forward-facing sonar unit? There's a lot of options, but with our bait casters, obviously the $99 SLX is it is very, very similar in build to that old green Corrado. It's metal frame, brass gears. It's not overly complex. And by not being overly complex, again, that leads to the, the, the durability of it. But at $99, you can get a great reel that's going to last you for a long, long time. That's a regular Shimano SLX. comes in three separate gear ratios, six, seven, and eight, left hand and right hand. Um, when it comes to spinning, however, we also have a $99 Noski spinning reel, which comes in multiple different sizes. But what's new as of this year, we have a new spinning reel called a Miravel. So the difference between the Noski and the Miravel is that the Miravel will have similar internals as our Noski, such as cold force gears, but it will also come with a CI4 body. So we are most traditionally known, the term CI4 was when our, within our Stratic CI4 or our current Vanford CI4. So again, I love, it's a CI4. I love those, by the way. <laughs> right. I used to or love carbon. that CI4. That old CI4 was the deal, bro. It, well, I mean, it's, its name is a brand in itself, right? It just became known for that's what it is because Absolutely. it had the guts, those cold force gears, but a carbon body making it much lighter. So now with the Miravel, we're going to have that CI4 body, cold force gears, an ounce lighter than Noski at $99. But the Miraville will come in at a retail price point of one thirty nine ninety nine. So it's going to be for anyone. You know, I mean, absolutely anyone, whether you're pan fishing, bass fishing, uh, you know, you're doing some salt stuff. I mean, it'll, it'll be for anything at a great price point. Yeah. The cool thing with Shimano is, you know, they have all these technology advancements. You mentioned, you know, they're manufacturing their own stuff. So, you know, from the R&D perspective to what they've done in the past, you don't lose that. It just costs a little bit less. So you can spend $100, $150 to get a product that was top of the line, you know, seven or eight years ago from a technology standpoint. And just because the technology is evolving, of course, they have, you know, some great re- that are an experience, as you mentioned, like with the Stella FK, and uh, that, that's what makes the lineup so good all the way through the whole process, in my opinion. You know, there's a lot of great manufacturers out there, but, you know, just from a Shimano perspective in general. But, Drew, I got to ask you this. You know, I've been watching this for, like, I would say, like, the last 18 months or so, but but Shimano hard baits, man. The baits... I've seen this flash boost technology, super cool. Seen some other baits have scale boost technology. Understand some of these became available on a limited basis in 2021, but now a much bigger selection of Shimano hard baits have these technologies infused in them. Can you explain these technologies for the listeners and how they're going to assist in catching more fish? I definitely can. And that's, you know, I'm a bait nerd just like any other bass guy. And when right, I see right. some new come out in the marketplace if it's just like something else i'm not saying it's not good but it doesn't catch my attention but when i see something truly innovative in today's time when everything has been reinvented a thousand times when i see something that's truly innovative it really gets me excited and that the flash boost is definitely something that's truly innovative so flash boost is available in three different current shimano lures right now in the world crank the world diver and world minnow world diver and world minnow or jerk base. And what that specifically is, is there's, there's a flat piece of metal in the center of that bait on hinges. So whenever you twitch that bait or whenever the bait stops moving from action, that flat piece of metal will sit inside the bait and can you continue to shimmy while the bait is sitting still. So it gives the illusion or look of a flash again, while the bait is not moving. So that is, again, truly something that no other bait, to my knowledge, has right now. But, you know, again, in today's day and age, if you're going to catch a fish, you either have to trick it or showing something new. And this is something new that you can show fish that they've never seen before, and it's awesome. Uh, When it comes to scale boost, that's just a scale pattern that's put on that bait. So on a translucent body, it's going to have some changes in color that will change the way that flash looks under the water. Um, then you also have jet boost, which is just our version of a weight transfer system that's going to allow you to cast the bait farther. You're obviously utilizing weight inside the bait to move from the front to the back during the cast, obviously resulting in a longer cast. But it's just, man, it's something that fish have not seen. And it, 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 right now, it, it's unique to the Shimano brand, and it, it's, it's awesome. 
Yeah, that, that flash boost. If you haven't seen it, Google it up. Flash boost technology, Shimano hard baits. You got to check that out. It's a pretty cool deal. Well, Drew, just a wealth of information across the board. And, and we've always known it's been there, you know, like we talked about with the, with the reels and, and the rods and, and now the baits. Uh, look forward to to seeing those more in the, in the mainstream and actually get to use those. That sounds like really, really neat technology. Any closing thoughts before we shut down? No, man, like I said, I appreciate the time to be on. And, man, again, when it comes to the Shimano brand, I, it's a brand I, I have used since I was a kid to have the opportunity to, you know, obviously work for Shimano now and, and sell it, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's a dream come true, but you know, again, what it results in is Shimano is truly their manufacturer. They started as a bicycle gear manufacturer, which translated into fishing gears. And that's, that's the key, man. When you think about it, a gear is the heart of any reel. And if you can make gears the right way, that's what a fishing reel is. It's in the gears. Perfectly said. Drew, thanks so much for being here. We're going to transition into this episode's featured angler spotlight right after this message. I am BASS Elite Series Angler Matt Airy. This is Bassmaster Elite Series Pro Bill Lowen. This is BASS Elite Series Angler KJ Queen. This is BASS Elite Series Pro Jake Whitaker. I am Pro Angler Brett Height. Stay tuned for more Bass Edge Radio. of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Today we got a super hot stick from the Bass Pro Tour as our featured angler spotlight. Coming off a win last month in New York, his third major event victory in two years, his fifth since starting his career back in about 2015. We're going to dive into some of his successful strategies on the BBT Tour and some late summer fishing tactics. Great to have back on the program, Dustin Connell. Man, awesome to have you again here on Bass Edge Radio. Yes, sir, man. I really appreciate you guys having me, and uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back. It's been a while, and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about how I won Cayuga and uh, get into a few other topics. We are excited, Dustin, and and you know to uh, to say that you've turned the corner in your career, I think is a is a total understatement. You're you're kind of in a different stratosphere right now. You've always been, you know, kind of that fairly consistent uh, angler throughout your career, but now. You know, you're closing the deal way more often and, and showing real versatility and, and just your strategic approach to tournaments and getting it done. Maybe share with us kind of how you arrived to where you're at right now. You know, we all want to be champions, but you have become m- multiple times. And, and that's just not an easy thing to do on the world's biggest stage. You know, uh, I'm going to try to keep this answer as short as I can, but I, I'll say this. I think you just mature as an as an angler, as a fisherman. Um, you mature as in making decisions on the water. You you don't tend to go off of emotions. You you kind of run off of hey, I'm I'm letting the fish tell me where to go. I don't go out there hoping. Like, Man, I hope I have a good day. Like I pretty much know what I'm on, what I can go do, and if I know that that's not a winning deal, then I will go somewhere else. And it is kind of a, a blessing and a curse. You know, that kind of mindset, you watch that movie, 10 cup, you know, oh, right. uh, and, and I've always had like a 10 cup mentality. And that's why you see me in my point standings. I'm like, all right, it's either I'm either going to bomb or I'm going to win. And I've always had that mentality at my house. Cause like, you gotta understand, man, I've not been on this game, like professional fishing a long, long time. I've been out here for five or six years. I fished my first pro-level tournament, actual only Elite Series, in 2017. So what is that? My time's getting away from me. Yeah, five years. Six, five, six years ago, yeah. yeah. So I came from fishing local levels where second place paid 600 bucks. 
you split that with your partner and you you don't come home with nothing. And then uh, first place, you would get tried and gold money and stuff like that. So it was like, dude, you're either going to win or lose. Now I'm starting to understand points matter. Checks matter. You know, working for your sponsors and going out there and having really good finishes matter. But those wins, man, they're super big. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like maturing as an angler. That's just I'm getting older. I'm slowing down. <laughs> slowing down it sounds to me like you're speeding up a little bit in the right mm-hmm. in the right areas so dustin it's so cool to see and, and watch that progression i remember when you won the missus uh, what was there, in uh in mississippi at ross barnett you had a great deal going on there kind of a river fishing where you grew up there in the alabama river obviously but you were doing some punching some different things up there but but you were kind of really laying it off to your roots you know now dude there's just so many different things you know when you won the red crest on a jerkbait and then you know you won this Cayuga event last week on smallmouth man i mean just going a totally different level first before we get into that let's talk a little bit about this every fish counts format i mean it's been good for you it's been really really good for you it seems that anglers are having to adjust to arrive in that winter circle there on the on the bass pro tour do you feel that there's a pattern of or a winning pattern or a winning way in that Bass Pro Tour, I mean, obviously your roommate is is also very successful with it, you know, Jacob Wheeler. And, um, you know, I'm seeing guys that really push themselves to win the group in those first two competition days or, you know, over a four-day period, obviously, depending on what group you're in. But, um, you know, that try to advance that straight to that championship round tend to struggle a little bit, man. Do you feel like just managing your fish and staying on the water is more important to winning a Bass Pro Tour event? You know, see. Seeing how uh, these events unfold, I watch them, you know, while I'm on the water. Sure. And I'm always paying attention to how and where and, and what is going down. So Cayuga in particular, now this goes for other tournaments too, but I like all these guys are on the north end of the, of the lake. You could honestly look across this north end and see who was where, what they're catching, whatever. I knew exactly where Lucas was fishing, and, and he was over there near a place that I was at, and I saw him, and he was catching them. But I knew the other guys had to have found that. And this Group A, Group B deal, man, that's the unknown about this format. Right. You may have a group, you, uh, for example, you may be in Group B, and you think you found the juice. Well, somebody just smashed them on it. and you deal with pressure fish and man i could tell doing what i was doing nobody was messing with those smallmouth nobody was doing it and i was like wow because after that group b day you know goes you can kind of understand what the lake's doing and you there there is a strategy to this jacob is one of the best you know people to strategize that he understands this game he understands all right, group A, group B, I can't look at this. So we were in group A in this group. We had first crack in a lot of the community community areas. Um, I mean, like, you could run to a community spot and smash them on group A. Group B, you don't have that luxury. Right. So uh, basically to shorten up my response, because I'll talk y'all's head off today, but <laughs> I would say – Staying on the water, um, a lot of times, and even in five fish limit tournaments, they are one during the tournament. The guy finds the pattern or a place during the tournament. So I love fishing knockout rounds. I found the winning school at Smith Lake during the knockout round. Right. This tournament is a little different, but uh, staying on the water always helps. Well, that's no, yeah. I, I love that response. I, I thought it was interesting in that particular Cayuga event last month, you know, Obviously, Lucas, you know, he went straight to the championship. And Michael Neal went straight to the championship. Michael Neal was on kind of that more diversified approach. Obviously, you you caught more smallmouth. Ebear caught more smallmouth. But Neal, in, in, even in, in his group round, you know, he caught a lot of smallmouth. But, man, this, it seemed like you guys that can stay on the water through that knockout round, like you say, kind of continue to evolve your approach, dial it in a little bit more expand as well at the same time that seems like it's the it's the way to win championships on that bass pro tour absolutely hey dustin on kind of a uh, takeoff of, of what uh, we just talked about there with being on the winning fish what what made you go all smallies 
um, you know, there at Cayuga. Is that something you specifically targeted all of practice or, or kind of what, what made that decision for you during the tournament? So this tournament, like we go into each lake and everyone has like a preconceived notion. And I've always tried to ignore that, but there was an outside chance. I felt like everybody knew going into this tournament that smallmouth is kind of a dark sleeper. You know, that is kind of like, hey, they catch them there. They're, they call a state record there, but I don't right. think there's a lot of numbers. And, and in this format, you have to catch a lot of fish, you know. I mean, you don't really have to catch a lot, but you better reel in more than five in a day. You know? so, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of the, hey, a mixture might help, but I don't think smallmouth is a safe bet. You know, that that isn't the whole going for par deal, you know. So anyway, this is how this kind of happened. I had been on some Cayuga one other time. I had caught two bass in a cup event in August. It was horrible. The only people that called them were Aaron Martins and Jacob Peraza, and they were on the juice out in the middle of that grass flat. So anyway, I go to the lake beside Cayuga, Oswego. Okay? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so so first of all, I go to Skinny Atlas. I fished the tournament on Skinny Atlas, a lot of smallmouth, ton of smallmouth on that place. Not a lot of really giant ones, but good ones. So I go to Skinny Atlas. I go there, and I catch some twos. I catch a few threes, and then I go to Oswego. And, dude, I freaking crushed him. Like, it was like, oh, my gosh. I'm racking in my brain, like, okay, how is the numbers on Oswego and the numbers on Skinny Atlas? I mean, it's like kind of a process of elimination. They just caught the state record on this lake, Cayuga. Uh, I look at pre past tournaments. You know, you see Zaldane out here catching smallmouth, and he don't he don't have four traces of sonar. He doesn't have any of that stuff, and he's just doing this stuff, just reeling around. I'm like, dude, I, we're going to have to check this out. So I go out there, and I practice. My first, I pan around. I, I go to this place. I go to this grass line, and I see a couple fish. I drop on them. It was, I caught a 6'5 smallmouth. There was 10 with him. I said, oh, no. I said, oh, my gosh. Why are y'all doing this to me? So I left that I left that place and went somewhere that looked identical to it. I caught a four pounder. I caught a five pounder. I went another place. I caught a four pounder, and then started getting that feeling that that like you know how it is when you're in a tournament. You're like, oh, this could happen. Oh, uh, then you start worrying. <laughs> yeah, like is is that the the phantom bite right, or is that is don't that just some phantom fish? Rabbit hole. Yes, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Please don't lead me down this rabbit hole. I, I've I've been here before, and it happened early in practice, and I was like, don't get locked in, don't get locked in. So I I went and practiced trickery for smallmouth that day. The next day of practice, I practiced all largemouth to have a backup. So that's how it happened. That's super cool. Super cool. Just so that uh, listeners know, Oswego and Skinny Atlas are also small finger lakes in that same region of the country that uh, I, Dustin, I guess you put some time there, obviously before the event, you know, just kind of getting in tune of the geographic region. Is that, is that an appropriate way to say that? Yes. I, I just want to kind of fill out the area and get, get dialed in a little bit. See, yeah. see what fish are, I mean, if there's a lake 20 miles from, from another place, uh, they're probably doing similar things. Totally agree. Is that a tactic that you take with you often fishing, uh, you know, tournaments now that you'll go a few days or, I mean, you get, you got these huge off limits periods, right? You've got these no information rules. You've got all these things that you need to abide by through uh, all the tournament circuits, whether it's the Bass Pro Tour, the Elite Series Pro Circuit, on down the list. Uh, you know, there's different rules for different events in the Bass Pro Tour, specifically the no information rule. So you're putting time in. Is this a regular basis that, that you're doing this to try and you know, jump on a lake somewhere close by to kind of help you gauge the patterns, conditions, those types of things? You know, I've tried to make it a point every week. Uh, I went yesterday. I mean, but I, I, I make it a point every week, either prior. I mean, I go all the time. But if I have a, a an idea of what fish are going to be doing, I try to duplicate that. So, you know, yesterday I made a trip out here to Lake Jordan on the Coosa River. I got all my electronics dialed in. I know smallmouth are going to play big at Millax. I did the same thing at Cayuga. I knew deep grass 
potentially smallmouth. I'm out there cranking. I'm getting, I'm, I'm rigging up all these drop shots. I'm trying to figure out what worm color I like <laughs> right, best. Right. You know, and I did that same thing like at Oswego. It's the same thing as far as going into like a sight fishing tournament. Before you know you're going into a sight fishing tournament, you try to go get somewhere and get understand, get dialed in, get in that mind and uh, that's really good for any angler yeah it makes a lot of sense before we go to break i'm going to tap into this uh cayuga smallmouth deal one more time you know you're finding these groups of smallmouth you talk about grass edges we heard a lot about that what other kind of cover was available for them were you basically just panning the edge of these i mean essentially just so the listeners understand cayuga is a, a finger lake it's basically an old glacier lake right or, or an old glacier that's that's run through there and and it's crazy deep in the middle dustin what do you got like 400 and some feet mm-hmm. in the dead nuts Work. middle of that place yeah so these smallmouth they use these grass lines on cayuga as kind of like highways and there's certain little stopping places for them they did not want to be in the grass. A lot of these guys were fishing strictly in the grass. Every now and then you see guys just randomly catch a smallmouth or you yep. hear about it or, right. you know, and, and that was just a smallmouth that was roaming and they accidentally cast it on the grass line. They don't really want to be all the way in that. I feel like they're, they feel like they're vulnerable, you know, so they cruise those outside grass lines, any kind of stopping point, whether it's a gravel bottom. I don't know what gravitates them to these areas, but I have found where they stopped and floated, I guess you would say, or either they just roamed in these certain little spots. It's similar to the St. Lawrence River when you see like a sand spot, like right. there's a light spot and they just gravitate to that. Well, I had done practice and did this for like 10 or 12 hours during practice. I mean, hell, it don't get dark up until 930. <laughs> right, right. So I'm sitting there practicing for 10 or 12 hours and I'm, I'm, I'm running all this stuff and I'm looking and I'm, I'm trying to understand it all. And I would run back through areas to try to see if they were still on them or if was this a fluke. Dude, I would come back to the exact spot. There was nothing on the bottom, and they were sitting on that exact same place. And I'm like, why are you there? And what it was, it was bait, and it was that perfect grass. And it had the perfect depth. It had to be like 23 to 25, somewhere through there. I mean, I caught some out in 35 and 42, but sure, uh, that was what was gravitating those fish there. Any kind of other structure, whether it was an old center block, I probably had 25 places that were just structured. And now we're in a glacier lake, but people still throw out old tires and stuff like that. Right. So I had I had a lot of man-made stuff that I had just found. I mean, it didn't matter if it was an old limb that blew off the bank out in like <laughs> 15 foot. There was a smallmouth sitting on it. That's really cool. That's great information, man. Appreciate you sharing that. Hang in there, Bass Edge listeners. 2022 two-time Bass Pro Tour champion Dustin Connell will return after we power pull down for a brief moment. Hang tight. We're going to be right back. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge is presented in part by Mercury Marine, returning with MLF Bass Pro Tour champion Dustin Connell in this episode's featured angler spotlight. Mercury Marine, go boldly. Uh, Dustin, as you mentioned there in the first half of the interview, you're getting ready to roll out the Millax. We super appreciate you jumping on before you, you head over there to that tournament. Man, your roommate Jacob Wheeler basically has got AOI wrapped up. It's, you know, it's it's not mathematically done, but uh, and you're also looking pretty pretty good in the AOI standings. You know, we mentioned you, you've won two events this year. You're sitting in 20th position. Mathematically, you know, there's some movement that could go on there. What are you looking to do to lock up that 2023 Red Crest qualification? And do you see this as a fall event going up there to Minnesota in the in the middle of September? Or do you think it's going to be more kind of late summer patterns holding true for you up there? Yeah, I'm really excited to get to Mille Lacs. That place is really special. I fished there four or five times, and 
and it is unbelievable. Um, as far as Jacob goes, I'll start with the first subject. Okay. You know, yeah, Jacob, I pretty much hand him the trophy now. Uh, it's, <laughs> right. it's done. It's done deal. Um, right. Unless his boat or something sinks out there, which I highly doubt that because he's running a Triton. But uh, he, I remember, I remember one year that Van Dam was trying to win AOI, and I think somebody likes. I have no clue, but I remember this. I recall if somebody like slashed his tires he rolled to the ramp on rims like one of the last events that is just absolutely terrible but some crazy circumstance like you're mentioning you know something would have to just be crazy unfortunate for jacob not to take it but anyway i wanted to add that in there that just reminded me of that because you were talking about it it'd have to be something crazy and i was like Uh, oh yeah yeah he's uh he's unbelievable you know like he's one of my best friends and i'm i'm telling you i pat him on the back all the time i say look man you You've, you've arrived, you know, and, and like, I hate to go on a tangent here. You know, I've known Jacob since we both qualified for the elite series. Right. And if you rewind back, you know, Jacob had won the Forestwood Cup. And like, I've talked to him about this, but Jacob did not just go on a tear right after the cup. You know, it ain't like he just won everything in sight, you know, sure. I mean, he, he had a lot of really great finishes, but these past few years, it's, it's the same thing Kevin did when he won AOI like four times in a row or something, yeah. you know, and you see guys go on these runs and I told him, I said, I don't see you slowing down none because it don't matter if he's got a flipping stick in his hand, a drop shot, a jerk. Maybe it don't matter. He's he is very very good at all things. Yeah, I am very good at offshore fishing and 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 stuff like that. I'm I'm good at flipping, swimming, and jig. But like my downside is I hate tight fishing. It ain't that I'm not good at it. I hate it. He likes doing everything and is good at everything. But uh, anyway, enough with Jacob. I'm tired of talking about him. Uh, <laughs> let, let me just throw this out there real quick, dude. It is so cool to see your all's relationship. You know, when you win at Cayuga, he's genuinely excited for you proud of you as a buddy you know just happy to say hey my boy dustin got it done and, and that that is so great to see you guys have that camaraderie you're happy for him when he does well you push him he pushes you it's great to see what you guys got going on so i just want to mention that real quick because oh, oftentimes yeah, in this deal it gets so cutthroat and and you know it, it's just good to see so I'll, I'll leave it at that man the realities of this game we play and i say this with humility too but man you have no idea and i'm keeping it real for you guys i'm, I'm glad that y'all brought me on but you have no idea how much hate that goes on between that house that we stay in is unbelievable yeah. There's, you know, and you got Jacob here winning tournament. You finished first and second. You got some of these anglers out here that are just absolute crybabies. And I'm sorry, y'all may have to edit that out of the video, but out of the podcast. But my goodness, man. I mean, I'm sitting out there catching smallmouth and Jacob's catching all largemouth. And, you know, and, and it's just a special, fun deal. And we're both, we just work hard, man. And the biggest thing with Jacob is, and not even Jacob, Mark and Adrian stay with us too. But we all push each other. You always need someone to push you, you know, whether it's your mom, your dad, your coworkers, you know, uh, and, and he motivates me to become better. I motivate everyone else. And like, it's the same way at a local level. If you go out there and fish against the same buddies and you win with nine pounds or 12 pounds, that is your new normal that is good. But you have that local hammer show up and he wins every tournament with 17 pounds. It pushes you to become better, smarter, faster. Yes. You jump outside the box. So just collaborating with them and Jacob makes me a better fisherman. So yeah, it's, it's a special deal and, and I'm very, I'm proud for him. I'm going to be there when, when he does the AOI deal too. Dustin, I certainly appreciate you going off on that tangent. You know, we, Kurt and I, as as we prepare for these shows and that we never know where it's going to go. And, and man, that little segment right there was unique. And that's one I'm going to remember for a long time because I, there's so much information in that. And and let's kind of tra- transition over into taking what you just said into kind of the patterns of, of September. You know, there's multiple options. I, you know, it doesn't even really have to, to do with just September. There's always multiple options and patterns of how to catch fish. But what my question is, what can lead us and Bass Edge listeners 
to quality fish or a quality finish? You know, do you kind of stick with the strengths in your opinion, or do you advise to say, you know what, break outside of kind of that comfort zone? And what you just said, if you've got a local hammer that can go out and catch 18 pounds when everybody else is catching 15, do you kind of abandon what you're good at and try to go pursue that? I really just think it just depends on what you want to do. Going outside the box has always been risky. You got high risk, high reward sometimes. If you take that high risk, you may fall on your face and everybody looks at you like, wow, what happened? You know, for me, I've always kind of wanted to be the bold person. I want to be bold. It all depends on your personality. But for example, I'm going to go to Millax and I feel like I'm pretty well inside the Red Crest cut, you know? I'm not going to think about that. I don't try to look at points, and maybe I should more because I would do a lot better in the points, and that'll calm down the line. But I want to go out there and try to win the tournament, and if I fall on my face trying to win, I can at least say, hey, you threw it in there. You went big. If I go out there laying up and then fall short, oh, my gosh, I'm ready to sell all my stuff, you know? (laughs) So, like, that's where I'm at with it. Like, I'm not going to drive 20 hours to lay up. Why lay up? Go out there. If you need to make a mill axe in this case, and it's not giant, but if I need to make a 78-mile run one way and lose 30 minutes of fishing and take a risk to go win, I'm doing it. So uh, it just depends on your personality, I would say. Yeah, Millax is going to be an interesting one. Obviously, it's got lots of lots of largemouth up shallow vegetation. You got smallmouth probably still. I'm going to, you know, who knows what kind of pattern they're going to be in, right? But but uh, obviously, smallmouth mm-hmm. live deep at times of the year. Where do you feel like that's, that's going to put your strengths when you kind of have those? You know, we talked about it earlier. You mentioned, you know, you've got to go in an event with some kind of notion of, of how you're going to, you know, start attacking a tournament. Um, what are you looking at when you go up to a, a northern fishery this time of year? Some fish kind of doing that fall thing, but some fish mm-hmm. still in that late summer pattern. I love this time of year. I love when the days are getting shorter. I feel like in the likes for me. Now, some of these guys, they're going to do their strength, go lost sure. fishing or whatever they want to do. For me, I will strictly smallmouth fish. I will have seven or eight hex spinning rods on my deck and then i will go out there and i'm gonna idle around and find as many isolated places as i can and and the outside chance of finding like four or five schools of fish man mill axe is amazing and i went there to go pre-fish dude they get grouped up there and you can find certain little places i mean you see it in our past tournaments where guys just every cast And uh, I will smallmouth fish. I think uh, a lot of that tournament will be predominantly shallower, you know, within 15 foot. You know, I don't see a ton of guys sitting out there in 20. Well, it's a natural uh, lake, and and I think that's probably pretty common for that type of fishery, right? Yeah, yeah. And and the fall, and you got to understand, them fish up there, man, they chew some crawfish they eat crawfish i swear i think that is the predominant forage for them every fish you see is spitting up crawfish and that's not a secret but i'm like i might need to tie on some crawfish baits here in a little bit you know? <laughs> right right so uh yeah that's gonna be a great tournament shop if i had to pick certain depth i'd say like 10 12 foot you know that's probably gonna be a really good depth to be fishing in that's cool. It's gonna be fun to watch that go down. Let's talk. Let's talk some about largemouth fish. Obviously, you know, you live there in Alabama, uh, Alabama rivers where you grew up, mostly spotted bass fishing. But uh, so much, you know, uh, of the focus from from a uh, listener standpoint is is on the largemouth side. Shallow water tends to be maybe a little bit more reliable during you know this mid to late September time frame when anglers are hitting their home bodies of water. What cover scenarios where you seek out in locating September bass? What techniques are you going to lean on? So where I live, I live on the Coosa River. I fish the Alabama River, and and I'm always looking for current where i'm from and if and if they're running water these fish really gravitate toward current it's it's cooler water has more oxygen there's more bait in it i would say during mid to late september that is the toughest time to catch fish around the southeast i think everybody can agree i really try to throw a lot of top water i throw a jerk bait a lot in september the water's cool and you'll see a transition from that main lake stuff 
I've read in Bassmaster magazines all my life of that uh, that fall transition. And that's a real thing, like it happens. You see all the bait start easing in those backs and then pockets. They start easing in those creeks. I just follow the bait. It's the best time of year to do that. When I see the bait start easing inside those creek mouths, I ease in with them. You know, so just follow the bait. That's what I do. Justin, on kind of following the bait, do you believe that the the deep bite or kind of that offshore bite is is somewhat of a new trend for fall with you know the forward facing sonar? And and do you think that anglers in the south, like you mentioned, that the largemouth impoundments will be kind of targeting those suspended fish with with their sonar now? You know, that is a uh, untapped. I guess you say technique. Um, I think the, the, the word's kind of out now and I really wish it wouldn't. <laughs> uh, you know, that, that's, that's an untapped deal. We've always not really understood suspended fish. And when I say suspended fish, I mean moving, swimming, suspended fish, not ones that are floating around where you can just catch them, you know, potentially. Right. Follow them around four faces sonar. I don't care what anybody says is the best invention in bass fishing ever. It's way better than the Alabama rig. It takes a lot of <laughs> guesswork out of, uh, out of the deal. It doesn't matter what you do. You're not going to always just catch them. It ain't like, I hear a lot of controversy. I could post a whole YouTube video on controversies over forward-facing sonar. And I'm telling you, the guys that are whining are the ones that have never used it. It is incredible how good and efficient it is. And it is not the end-all, be-all. But uh, it just it helps me be more precise. I've won a ton of tournaments without forward-facing sonar. I've only had it a year on my boat. But I've won a ton of tournaments fishing offshore with it. Following bait in these fall-time uh late season deals is a, going to change a lot of places, a lot of fisheries. They do that on every lake that's fairly clear. So there are some lakes that may just get exposed and that might be the new deal. So uh, I don't know. It's just that that's a very popular thing now. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of obviously the trending method. It's who is going to take it to really, uh, like you mentioned, expose it. So that more people start trying to do it. I mean, we're, we're seeing that now with, you know, like these Champlain events, you know, this summer weights like we never saw. We talked to Kurt Mitchell about it, uh, last month or, or excuse me, earlier this month, actually. And, and how that whole thing kind of has transpired. You look at everything that's going on with, uh, you know, all this summertime smallie thing. And it just seems like the perfect transition into this fall largemouth fishing, right? I mean, we've, we've struggled to catch. 10 15 pounds uh in the backs of creeks running bait kind of doing that kind of thing is somebody going to be able to utilize that forward-facing sonar stay out on the main lake where maybe some of these fish are are rising out of the brush haven't moved Mm -hmm. back into the creeks but still chasing shad that are staying out there on that main body of water and start being able to crack 18 20 pounds in months that you used to never see that kind Mm -hmm. of thing right that's the news new norm i think i've been trying to do it here on the coosa river i I went yesterday it was 93 degrees and i did that exact thing i went out there i did not go run brush i didn't i went to areas where brush were at but i just was looking just went looking went checking and i ain't saying they was there or wasn't but you have to understand what these fish do they chase bait they do not sit stationary they literally will swim two miles and like, 10 miles in a day chasing bait. That's just what they do. And the same way with these herring lakes, anywhere you have thread fin, L-wise, that's what they do in the summertime months, whether it's 30 feet or 10. So that's it's, a very, very good deal. It's going to be interesting how, you know, does that end up, end up just being, your, you know, we're all just staring at our graphs and we just end up out in the middle of la-la land, <laughs> you know, or, uh, or will it be some deal where you end up following some kind of contours, like you say, getting on a on a big point where there's a lot of brush and, yes, the fish are still out there moving around you know in and out you know as as an ambush area because that's where the bait are floating up from where they've been in you know june july and august but but now that it's getting yeah all shorter days all that stuff starts to rise so definitely something got, to uh, be on the front end of yeah we've got probably i'm gonna give it i don't know 
couple more years of this big craze of, of forward-facing sonar and stuff like that until everything evens out. It's just progression. It's, it's uh, I guess you would say, evolution of fishing. It happens in businesses. It happens. It's called competition. So when all these other anglers, they dial that pattern in, it's going to get harder and harder to catch them. And then you're going to see guys like Randall Tharp busting them on a jig on the bank because everybody's <laughs> out there staring at the exactly. kids, staring at the drought. So it's just progression of the sport. And I hear all this. Y'all need to have a podcast on four-face stone I would be a perfect guest because I could go into a rant and then I could go into I understand mode too. So <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I like it. I like it. We'll we'll have to do a round table like that. Get get uh, two or three people on at, at once. You know, so it'll be like four or five of us and, and call just call Randy back Block and, it up. I would love to talk. To <laughs> I would love it. Oh, I'm begging y'all. <laughs> Oh man, that'd be great. All right, Dustin, we're going to roll into our listener question. This is this uh, part of the show is brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Um, and this this question comes from Dylan Thompson out of Texas. Dylan probably watching some of that Mississippi River uh, Elite Series event has gotten some folks shallow Carolina rig fishing. Dylan asked this. Recently noticing the effectiveness of the Carolina rig fishing in really shallow water around edges of vegetation during the late summer. Why do you feel this technique is so effective? And what are some other likely areas I will find fish using it? I would say probably, you know, this time of year, these fish, they're deep. They're very sluggish. They're not very, very active. So, Throwing like a Carolina rig is perfect for this time of year. Um, it's slow and you're down there where you need to be at. So, uh, that's why it's probably a great deal to do. Other likely areas I would say is, I mean, drag that thing off of a long running point. I mean, get away from that grass. You may get around a gravel bottom, you know, uh, or a sandy bottom. Just try different depths. If that grass comes out to, seven, eight foot, try to find some deeper grass at the lower end of the lake or something. So if the fish are strictly relating to that grass, you may pull that Carolina rig up and just try a, a wacky rig, stuff like that. So just alternate between baits. But summertime, the fish are slow and sluggish. Good stuff. I, I certainly like your, and appreciate Dustin, your, your comment about the long tapering points. I mean, I just know like on lakes, like Table Rock, you know, the Highland Reservoirs, Bull Shoals, things like that. You get out on those tapering points like that and you're liable to run across largemouth, smallmouth, spotted bass, all in the same pocket of, of fish there uh, schooling. So anyway, great stuff. Thanks for answering that question. Dylan, we need one more thing from you and that is to simply log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize tab. Fill out the information and let us know that you heard Dustin answer your question right here on episode 384 and we are going to get the Midway USA gift card sent directly to you. And as all Always Bass Edge Nation listeners, go to our website, BassEdge.com. Simply click Ask the Pros tab. If your question is heard on the show, you will win the next Midway USA gift certificate. You can also find some posts there on our Instagram page and Facebook page. Just simply comment your question there at the bottom. We'll get them answered here on the show. And just remember that Midway USA, where they have just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. Well, Dustin, uh, again, great to have you on the program. I really appreciate, you know, for, for all of us here at Bass Edge, and I'm sure Bass Edge Nation, your ability to kind of dive into uh, some things that might be a little edgy. Really appreciate that. And certainly the knowledge base. Um, man, what a show. Any closing thoughts, you know, before you uh, close this down and, and head off to uh, Minnesota? Uh, well, I just, you know, I appreciate you guys having me. And, um, I, uh, I'm just ready to get in the lax. We had that one last time of the year. All you guys can stay tuned. Um, we start the 10th of September and that goes through the 15th. So I think it's going to be a great tournament. A lot of big smallmouth going to get caught. Also, we have got a series we're going to do on YouTube. If you haven't already, you guys check out some of the videos we do. It's at DC Fishing and, uh, we're going to document the whole deal to be a fun, fun week in the lax. But other than that, I appreciate you guys having me, and I hope to be back soon. Absolutely, Dustin. Thanks again for stopping in. Always fun breaking it down with some 
Bassin know-how with you right here on Bass Edge Radio. Everyone hold tight as Aaron and I break down the show with some closing thoughts right after this short break. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it, power how you need it, power when you need it. Heard enjoyed hearing from Drew there at Shimano. Obviously just a, a you know a staple in the fishing reel market, but then also kind of bringing in the baits. Yeah, that's kind of new territory for them. Yeah, I think they've had baits for a good time, but mostly just available in the Japanese domestic market, right? So, so they're starting to, I guess you know, expand some some of their things. Which you see a lot of that, man. You see a you see some some apparel coming out from a lot of manufacturers, really expanding in that realm. And and now you're seeing like Shimano uh, bringing baits, you know, which they hadn't done a whole lot in the USA market. So, so yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. I love the technology, love the new innovative stuff that any bait company is bringing to the table. But uh, specifically with, with the technology we discussed with Drew, it's different, man. And always other manufacturers take notice. So I think we're, we'll start to see more innovation like that when you, when you put you know some type of reflective material inside a bait with some movement and that kind of thing because that's kind of the way our industry goes, right? Right, it's, uh, right. There's always somebody out there trying to take it to the next level. And, and you know, somebody else who kind of alluded to that uh, was our featured angler spotlight, Dustin Connell. First tournament, 2017, and then going and talking about his maturation as an angler and kind of removing the emotion. You know, it's five years. We're not talking about like he's been at this for 35 years. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, you know, we talked about you, any Bass Edge Nation that, that really enjoyed this uh, interview with Dustin. Go back. I don't know how many moons ago it was, Aaron, but there's another episode with Dustin that we did uh, back in, I believe it was 2017, his rookie year when he won that spring on Ross Barnett Reservoir. Uh, you could hear you. You'll be able to hear the maturation that he discussed in his fishing in his interview skills. <laughs> no, <laughs> right? no question. No question. I mean, it's just changed completely. Of course, you know, he won an open a couple years before that in 2015, uh, while he was just coming out of college at the university of Alabama, you know, n- now since he won the red crest in 2021 there at Lake Eufaula, you know, really just these young anglers and, you know, being able to capitalize on new technology taking it to levels that we haven't seen. I think, Aaron, we tapped into that a little bit with that fall fishing segment. He talked about doing that on the water just recently, looking for those fish that used to ghost us, right? They used to ghost us out there on the main lake following chat around. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. What's your thought? Yeah, you know, I would agree. And um, it's, it's certainly like he said, he's like, I wish it was still a secret because there there were, you know, a few people that were dialed into those. And I, I liked his comment of going to bomb 
or I'm going to win. You know, he's like, why would I drive 47 miles to, to go be mediocre? So uh, a couple of very interesting tidbits. And, you know, Kurt, an, another great episode. I know in between this recording and our next, uh, I believe you are on your way to the Red River and I will be on my way to Lake of the Ozarks. So uh, thoughts there before we shut down. Yeah, man, I'm going to lock a buzz bait in my hand. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to I'm gonna, I'm gonna go looking for some of these shallow fish. River systems, definitely different than natural impoundments. That's one thing. Not like Millax, which we discussed with Dustin, but also uh, a reservoir, you know, totally different stuff. So the, these two tournaments that that I'm been embarking and embarking on, you know, shallow river fisheries still have that old school play. Right. It's not always all about forward facing sonar. Don't let don't let, you know, our podcast or our discussions fool, fool you. But that is definitely the new trending way. Of, of a lot of fishing, but uh, man, I'm staying shallow. I'm in these river systems, shallow cover, fall transition. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it. How about you? You're doing the Toyota tournament later on this year. I remember somebody wrote. Yeah, it's a Toyota that. tournament. That'll be in October, but first okay. uh, I'll be going to the BFL. You've got one the same weekend. Yeah. yeah September I, at, uh, at Lake of the Ozarks. Cover that two day super tournament. I, I'm going to be doing probably the same thing, trying to stay shallow. I will, uh, you know, it, it is on my bow forward facing sonar. I will be using it, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go and try and stick with, uh, generally what works that time of year. Everything for me will be dock related. Um, Ploppers. But, yeah. Ploppers. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. You might you might be able to use that forward facer, you know, underneath those docks and be able to to eliminate some docks or some good. Do you feel like they get ganged up underneath oh, those docks this I time do. of year? I do. Okay. The, uh, the 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 right fish that you're looking to win the tournament, you know, first you want that kind of that harder bottom below those those docks, those gizzard shad. When you when you start seeing those big gizzard shad in those little schools, those little wolf packs mm. running around. Those yeah. big bass are, are king. And like I said, you don't get a lot of bites, but uh, we'll see. You know, time will tell, as always, Kurt. So um, anyway, good luck, a, my friend. Good uh, luck. Likewise, likewise. Looking forward to catching up with you on uh, the October 1st episode. In the meantime, for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin. Stay up on all things Bass Edge through our social media outlets and certainly uh, through the website. For the rest of the Bass Edge crew, we are wishing you a wonderful two weeks and look forward to connecting again on October 1st with episode 385. So long, everybody. The Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, Power Pole, and Transport Graphics.